0: This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations, with host, Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health.
1: Anin, hello, I'm Leah Lem, miigwech, and thank you for joining me for an in-depth conversation. Exploring how Indian Country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Today on the show, what's on the minds of Native youth in Minnesota. And joining me today, Kaylee Coyne is a 10th grader from St. Paul, and she participated in the social distance powwow that provided a way for Native folks to stay connected during the pandemic. And reporter Melissa Townsend talks with 13-year-old Rizal agaton House. He lives on the Fond du Lac Reservation with his family and is participating in unschooling. I'm really glad to share what these insightful young minds have to say. And those conversations are coming up, but first... On March 15, 2020, Governor Walls announced the temporary closing of schools across the state to help slow the spread of the coronavirus, an announcement that would also indicate a huge shift in daily life for many Minnesotans of all
2: ages. While children have proven to be less vulnerable to this virus, we haven't seen significant spreading in our schools. We do anticipate that COVID-19 will have a sizable impact on our education system in the coming weeks, months, and potentially the coming year. We cannot wait until the pandemic is in our schools to figure things out. That's why Executive Order 20-02 that I just signed will begin the process of closing our schools starting tomorrow.
1: And this time back in March was to allow school districts around the state to come up with distance learning plans. And at the time, it wasn't known exactly what the future would hold or how long changes would be in place.
2: And I want to be very clear about this. A decision to close school has a magnitude of consequences that is... Uh, that will change life in Minnesota as we've seen it operating.
1: And it really has changed life in Minnesota. Governor Walls in March then laid out so many of the considerations like IEP plans, mental health support, nutrition services, and basic instructional materials. And we've talked a bit about those topics on this program. And I'm excited to have youth on today to talk about what's been important to them during this time. First up is my conversation with Kaylee Coyne, who's in 10th grade. She lives in St. Paul. We talk about what's on her mind, including distance learning, missing powwows, and new hobbies. Hi, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) How are you doing today?
3: Good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Okay, Kaylee, can you please introduce yourself for me?
3: Hello, my name is Kaylee. Um, I am from St. Paul. I am 15 years old, and I'm a 10th grader at Harding High School. Uh, my mom is Athabascan Indian and in Yupik, so I take 50% from her. How
1: are you doing, and how's your family doing?
3: Uh, we're all doing pretty good. My Both my parents are back at work. but
1: And so you're doing school, I take it.
3: Yeah, both my brother and I are doing distance learning full-time until it's clear to go back, but it's pretty stressful. A lot of the teachers are I do not very flexible with when things are turned in. A lot of them expect it right away, and it's a lot of assignments.
1: Mm, gotcha. So how do you feel about that?
3: Um, I'm handling it pretty well, but it does get stressful.
1: Let's talk a little bit about kind of when the pandemic hit. Um, what happened? Can you tell me a bit about what your experience was?
3: So a while before we were out of school because of the teacher strike and then the pandemic hit like severely. So it was kind of a mess for everyone in general because no one had a plan. So the first couple of weeks, we kind of just didn't have any schoolwork. The teachers made a plan a couple weeks later and then we started distance learning.
1: And how was distance learning when it was new? Like, did you learn a bunch or was it all right?
3: Um, It was easy because it was only the last couple months of school and I was able to do all my work.
1: Yeah, that time was so strange because a lot of schools were in spring break. So it was almost like, don't come back after spring spring break. (laughs) Or, you know, just like, "Go, there's no schoolwork and we'll figure things out. But I tell you, the teachers and the administration and all that, a lot of places really pulled together.
3: I know. And
1: got things set up for students, you know, in just, you know, a week, couple weeks, that, that must have been a lot
4: of work.
3: Yeah, I realized because certain kids have their own way of learning, and I noticed a bunch of teachers adapted to different ways they could help their kids.
1: Yeah, it, it's. I noticed, like, you know, where I live, Things are different. You know, I live in northern Minnesota, and um, so learning here is a bit different than learning in the cities. And then I'm sure there are students that might not have the same resources at, as other families do. Did you see any? Let's see, it's a good way to ask. <laughs> Did you see any of this happening? Is there some kids you knew that maybe needed a bit more help?
3: Um, I think there was a couple students that needed more motivation uh mm. students would join at first but then not show up for another three weeks
1: oh are you talking about like the like virtual meetings yeah mm. it was is that hard to stay on for so long
3: yeah this year it is because it's 30 minutes each class for a while and it's just you get restless <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure. Can you tell me a bit about what a typical day looks like for you? Like you wake up and then what happens?
3: So I start um, classes at 9 30 and I only, I have four classes. So one day will be odd classes and then the other day will be my even classes. And then I usually end around 12, have a lunch break and then do independent work. Ah,
1: very good. So what classes are you taking?
3: So Most of them are accelerated classes, so I have, like, biology and algebra two, and I also have my Ojibwe class.
1: How do you do those classes then with um, being away?
3: So each teacher has, like, each week they have their assigned uh, assignments, so when we join the Google Meet, they help, like, help us uh, go through the assignment, and then we do it on our own and turn it in later in the week.
1: Gotcha. So no dissecting yet? No. In biology? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Good. And how's Ojib- Ojibwe moan going?
3: Um, I really like it. I've been learning a lot.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> Maybe someday uh, we can talk in Ojibwe because I'm learning now uh, and it's hard.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: taking like intro uh, intro to Ojibwe moan, and it's um, online, you know, virtually, and it's awesome, but yeah, it's so really
3: difficult. Cool. <laughs> yeah, my, my Ojibwe teacher likes to tell me that our language is in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the hardest language to learn. <laughs> I
1: know. Yeah, that's an important thing to note, because it is really hard. I know, like, I was doing my Ojibwe homework before this, before this interview, and um, just looking back at all the rules um, for conjugating the verbs, yeah. <laughs> all of that, it takes time. It really does. And, you know, I'm a couple years older than you, probably a couple decades older than you. And, you know, it's never, never too late to learn, <laughs> learn a language, learn a new skill. So, yeah, that's really cool. So what other things do you do with your time?
3: I love beating, watching Netflix and playing basketball. <laughs> it's pretty fun.
1: Very cool. Can you tell me a bit, a bit about your beading? What do you like to bead?
3: Um, so far, I'm not the greatest, but I'm getting better. I've been beading a lot of earrings.
1: I see you have some earrings on. Are those uh, your creation? No, or I got them not. out of powwow.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> gotcha. So another question. Did you have any plans that were disrupted when the pandemic hit?
3: Um, Yeah, a lot of the big powwows my family likes to go to where First, postponed and then canceled, but I don't think we had too many big plans.
1: What are the big powwows that you'd normally do every year?
3: Uh, The Shakopee one in the summer. That one's probably my favorite. Um, Some of the Treasure Island ones and just local school ones were canceled. I actually haven't been able to dance for quite a while. I did go to the Black and Brown Solidarity March and. Um, group we danced at that, but other than that we haven't been able to dance much.
1: Yeah, I saw you did the social distance power.
3: Yeah, that was fun. It's a good way to uh <laughs> actually get to dance.
1: Nice. Can you tell me a bit about your motivation to do the social distance power?
3: Um I dancing is one of the ways I like release everything. So to see that people other people are doing that, I was like, oh hey, I want to do that too. So To put on my regalia and dance has just been like a way to release stress. Mm -hmm.
1: And can you tell me a bit about your regalia? How did you help make it or Um, how'd
3: you get it? So my mom doesn't know how to. So we had one of her friends make it. She's been making my regalia for a couple of years now. And I got to help pick the colors and designs.
1: Nice. Can you tell me a bit about, you know, the design and maybe... Why you picked it so or what's special to you about it?
3: I've been learning Ojibwe since I was in like first grade. So the Ojibwe designs for regalia are usually floral. So I have a floral designs on my regalia.
1: Yes, that woodlands floral design. So beautiful. That's great. So a lot has happened, you know, in this past year, clearly with the pandemic and just continued injustice. You said you went to... Was that the Brown and Black and Brown Solidarity event? That's really cool. So there are all these, you know, things that have happened, you know, continued injustice, police brutality, even the California wildfires, just so much stuff, so much destruction. Um, But are there big concerns that you have right now? Like what's what's on your mind?
3: Um, I feel like right now with everything that's going on, We are going to find a way to make it better, but it's never going to end. It's just going to keep happening. So I'm just scared. Yeah, I'm scared that the racism will, like, it's not being taken seriously by a lot of people. Like, I've seen comments on social media posts, and it's just, like, scary that this is how I'm going to grow up. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Has there been anything that's been particularly scary that you've seen I know there's so much out there and you mentioned Facebook comments or social media comments yeah and that is a place that is tough to go (laughs) no matter what no matter how thick your skin is or how tough you might be um what are you seeing that concerns you
3: um just a lot of like racism and bullying everywhere like every social media app I go to there's something that's happening so I feel like we all just kind of need a break and to just see what's actually happening Mm
1: -hmm. so I I saw a picture come through of you and your sibling doing the uh, protest at the Not Your Mascot rally in March um, a while back and since then the Washington football team has changed their name oh god (laughs) Can you tell me a bit about that? Let's talk about that. I know um, I, I was at those rallies like years and years ago and it's still, you know, yeah. there's still other teams, There's so um, many, but it's so great to see young people like yourself speaking out. Um, can you tell me a bit about, you know, how did you get into that or how did you first want to speak
3: out? So um, the day of the March, I think, my homeroom teacher, Mr. Pilot, wanted me to well, he helped me with the speech that I was going to be talking, presenting there. And I think like at that moment I just kind of realized like I wanna keep doing this. Like this is something I want to keep doing. So I didn't actually get to present it because the planning got mixed up, but um I got to talk about the change the name. Like I did research on how many teams like in the The whole world have racial slurs or mascots, and how it needs to change.
1: So, do you remember how many teams?
3: I think it was like two thousand, around two thousand. That wasn't according to like two thousand thirteen.
1: Very interesting. And um, so you went, and how was that experience at the rally?
3: It was a mix of support from people, and then there was also like. We were getting yelled at. Some of the people I was with were spit at. Some it was just crazy. Mm -hmm.
1: How did that make you feel? How like I don't know. How do you how do you continue to be there when you know that's happening and they're doing it to to students to young people?
3: Yeah, they wanted us to stand down, but a lot of us just kept protesting peacefully and ignored what they were doing to us we just kept shouting like change the name and positive things like that
1: i mean you sound really positive right and you know all these you know the pandemic and it's tough to to go to school right now but how do you how do you stay positive
3: um i look at the good of uh, the good in things so just to think that we helped change the name of the washington football team and a bunch of other things among that
1: yeah, so there is hope, right? Yeah,
3: we haven't lost it yet.
1: <laughs> is there anything else that's going on these days that you're seeing that you're excited about? Like anything at school or anything in your community?
3: Um, Indigenous Peoples Day is coming up on Monday. So for my Ojibwe 2 class, we have this really fun project where we get to either like create or take pictures of how we want to present our posters.
1: That's so cool. So what are you doing then?
3: Usually if we would be at school, we would march to Mounds Park, but this year I think it's just um, projects that like help bring awareness to Indigenous Peoples Day.
1: And are you working on a project?
3: Yeah, I'm going to have my dad help with some photos. So I'm gonna have my ribbon skirt and do like a photo shoot.
1: Oh, pretty. Well, Kaylee, Thank you so much for participating.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I hope to see see you on the powwow trail <laughs> in the coming years. So I hope you have a great rest of the day. And it's really great to hear your perspective. Thank you. Take care, Kaylee. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You're listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations, supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. And today, we're talking to two young people about their pandemic experience and what's on their minds. Next, our reporter, Melissa Townsend, reached out to Rizal Egerton who is 13 years old. Well, actually, she reached out to his mom, Sarah, who's an Anishinaabe artist. Sarah and her husband, along with Rizal and his younger sister, Ami, live on the Fond du Lac Reservation. In this conversation, Rizal and Sarah talk with Melissa about what's changed since COVID came to Minnesota, the highs and the lows. And as it turns out, there aren't many lows for Rizal, thanks to Sarah and her husband.
0: Well, would you like to introduce yourself, however you'd like?
4: Uh, My name is... Rosal Agaton House in addition to cause, Indigu, that is my um, Ojibwe introduction. Gidawince is my Ojibwe
0: name. Awesome. And how old are you? I am 13 years old. I am in eighth grade. Mm. All right. Well, you know, this whole conversation is just about what your life has been like and what you've been thinking about since COVID-19 started affecting people in the world. So let's just start with like, how did you hear about COVID-19 and the pandemic?
4: So I do remember I was in class last year, and I remember watching CNN 10, it's a uh, news show, and they featured a virus that they found in Wuhan, and at first didn't concern me a lot, but I think that, that's where it began.
0: Yeah, I know. It was like, oh, it's over there, and it's not over here, and then suddenly it was like coming. <laughs> yeah. And how did it first start to affect your life, personally?
4: I mean, we, we really just started completely quarantining. It actually started on our birthday, which is somewhat sad because I was about to have a birthday party and then we had to quarantine. So, oh, yeah. What was your birthday party plan? What were you going to do? Um, I think I was going to do an escape room with a few of my friends. Oh, my God. That's super fun.
0: Um, How have your days changed since you started quarantining and spending more time at home? You like sleeping in. Yes, sleeping. I love sleeping (laughs) in. That's always great. So, what time can we expect you to get up these days? (laughs) Probably like nine.
4: Oh, nice. A lot less contact with um, um, everybody else. Mm -hmm. Spending a lot more time with my family. That's actually really fun, though, because we do a lot of fun things together. Mm -hmm. I pretty much spend the entire day with my family. That's always fun. We go hiking a lot. Really? Tell me about that. We went um, backpacking on that. SHT, which is the Sierra hiking trail, over in Silver Bay, and yeah, we have backpacked most of the day, and then we camped there for about a day, and we came back.
0: Oh wow, that sounds cool.
4: We went to this one overlook on the way there, and it was it was super beautiful. You could just see the forest as far as you could look, and right below us was the lake um, that we were camping near. So that was that was really cool.
0: You know, sometimes people. Talk about the silver lining of having their whole lives change. You know, for adults, a lot of people have lost their jobs or have different sort of working situation, but a lot of people are taking some positive things away from that, which is interesting to talk about, you know. Are there other sort of positive things that have come from this strange time (laughs) I'm not sure. We did spend a good deal of time
4: outside before the pandemic, but I'm not sure if we would have ended up spending that much time or have gone backpacking if the pandemic hadn't happened.
0: Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything else. And what have been some of the things that have not been so great since COVID started? At the end of March, we originally were going to plan to go to
4: uh, Spain and Barcelona, but that didn't end up working, obviously. Barcelona um, is my favorite soccer team, so I was hoping to go see them, but that didn't end up working out.
0: Are they changing their most famous player now? Yeah,
4: they, they were going to um, transfer their like best player called Lionel Messi, but um, they decided to wait until the end of his contract, which
0: ends next year. So are you hoping to get there before he leaves? Yeah. Yeah, so no trip to Spain, super bummer. But really, that's the only thing you can think of? Hmm. I mean, not seeing
4: my friends has been so hard sometimes, but um, I think that's about it.
0: Sarah, do you want to say something about that? I know this is in your interview, but... Oh, sorry. I'm over here just, like, trying to be off the screen. Um,
2: But just the social part, I think I worry about that. I'm sure everybody is, too, and trying
0: to figure it out, but... Yeah. Are you talking about that, Rosella? How do you, how do you feel about the whole social thing? Um, I mean, I'm okay with the
4: sacrifice of uh, not being able to see as many of my friends in return for well, living and helping other people who can't survive if they get COVID. So, um, yeah, I still do have a few friends I get to
2: spend time with. So, I think they handle it like really, <laughs> really, really well. It's kind of shocking. So sometimes, like, are we overthinking this as parents? Um, but we try to also, like, I at least for me, I try to talk to them about everything. And, like, with school, we gave them the option. Like, do you want to do the distance learning through the school? Do you want to do, like, what are the, here's the pros and cons of all these things? Because, you know, humans do better when they feel like they are a part of the decision. So yes. <laughs> we kind of let them be a part of that decision making. And so I try to make sure they understand what's going on. Now, I understand this
0: fall you are unschooling, right? Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing? So
4: we have this um, math program that we're doing. Um, I do quite a bit of writing. That's actually kind of fun because I do read a lot and it like sparks my imagination. So then I get to jot that down as part of school.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But
4: then the rest of it we're doing together. So um, we're getting into a lot of Ojibwe history. We built a um, wooden lodge in our uh, backyard, or at least we made the general structure and like skeletons sort of of it. Uh, we also went uh, wild ricing. Recently, I made a video, me and my sister made a video on that.
0: That was pretty cool. Here's a little bit from that video Rizal made with his sister, Ami.
4: Hi, my name is Rizal Agaton house And I am Ami Agaton house And today we're going to be teaching you about the basics of ricing and how we did it. So, um, I'm going into the back of the canoe, and as you can see, we're taking off.
3: The reason why we use a GMON instead of a speedboat is because a GMON does not ruin the wild rice or anything, and it's much, much more gentle.
4: Here is us scooping the rice into the bag after we have had a few hours of harvesting. One of the things that sort of surprised me is the fact there's so many bugs. Like there's legit, like I don't even know how many spiders. You'd be surprised.
0: Those were just a few clips from Rizal and Ami's video about racing.
4: What made you choose the homeschooling or
0: the unschooling? So
4: we've already been spending a lot of time together, so that's something. Um, also together as a group, we didn't feel super comfortable with um most of the options that are out there. So yeah, that's
2: another thing.
0: You, you like your choice. You glad you made it this way.
2: Yeah. Will you go back to school when you can? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I worry a lot that like, are they getting enough social interaction? Are they, That's my worry, yeah. are they going to get sad? Are they going to become depressed? because we've really like not seen. And then I also see how a lot of other people's lives have gone back to much more normal and ours is not. And um, we're just not comfortable with like the birthday parties and all these things that I know that we're missing out on. And I worry that that's going to make them sad. And so that's really hard. I think for me, because I want them to have the best life possible and be a part of everything, but, There's something just deep in me that feels like we have to protect them as much as we can right now. So I think it's that part of just worrying they're going to miss out on something and then be sad that they missed it. I was really worried about school, but now I see that school is kind of a mess. Um, And so I'm kind of feeling better about that. I'm really feeling pretty good about the school thing now.
0: Yeah. I mean, asking about how it's going, it all sounds very positive. And maybe that's because the adults are shouldering the anxiety.
2: (laughs) And, you know, I think it would be different if um, I had to be on Zoom all day or something, you know, like some of my friends have to be on these Zoom calls for eight hours. I think our life would be very different. And then I also just in general have that feeling of like, we can't keep trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. Our life just isn't the same anymore. And that's really hard. And it just, that is what it is. And so we're just trying to embrace that, I guess.
0: I'm sure. Definitely. Hmm. And if you were to write an ending to this pandemic, how would you end this whole thing? If I got to, if I got to write it out, I would
4: uh, hope that a vaccine came around. And if I really got to choose, I would hope that there's a vaccine and a treatment. That way, the people who do get sick can be treated, and we can also prevent people from getting sick. So that would be how I would hope for the pandemic to end.
1: That was reporter Melissa Townsend talking with 13-year-old Rizal egerton House and his mom, Sarah. Thank you to Rizal and Kaylee Coyne for the conversations today. Hope the rest of the school year goes well and thank you for listening today, miigwech. I remember being in school. I loved school. The energy of learning, the feel of fresh notebook paper and nervousness for the year ahead, though it was not without its difficulties. But how students these days are adapting and finding new ways to learn while helping keep our communities healthy is super inspiring. Miigwech,
0: and I wish you health. I'm Leo Lem. Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID 19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.